Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 106 in Edmonton. Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers Now. And the second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor. And that is Digitex. Buy or lease your next office network printer from the Digitex.ca e-commerce store. No need to spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is Digitex.ca. In this hour... We'll hear from prospect Alex Turcott, who was, uh, well, halfway through the year, I don't know if people saw him going in the top five, but right now he's an odd on bet to go in the top five of the NHL draft. We're going to get to a clip from Dave Tippett coming up. couple, actually, as uh, we'll head off into our direct workwear Oilers audio vault where safety meets savings in Edmonton, Fort McMurray, and online at directworkwear.com. And we're going to open up the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. It's a simple question. What should the Edmonton Oilers do with Yesapol Yarby? Okay, the organization's under new management. They've got an experienced guy, Ken Holland, 22 years as the GM of the Detroit Red Wings, four Stanley Cups. I think he's only had four coaches during that time in Detroit as well. And then Dave Tippett, an experienced coach, who's had lengthy stints with both the Dallas Stars and the Arizona Coyotes. So, what would you do with Paul Yarby? Would you sit here and say, look, fresh start, new regime, let's make this thing work? Or conversely, would you put him in a deal, maybe a one-for-one flip for another prospect that hasn't gained some traction yet? Craig Simpson saying maybe I'd package him to bring in something. I'd like to get your thoughts again as we open up the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline 780-496-0063. Okay. You can text us at 630-630 as well on our Heartland Ford text line. Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan with over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory. They're one of the largest volume Ford dealers in Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan. So, yeah, we'll open up the phone lines in a second. First, so a clip from Dave Tippett. He was on Oilers Now on Monday. Direct work where Oilers Now Audio Vault. And uh, here is uh, Dave Tippett. I asked him a question specific to deployment of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel. Here was Tippett's response. It all depends on game situations and, you know, depends a little bit on the other personnel that you have. You know, if you've got people that are really filling those roles underneath, I would rather see uh, McDavid and Drysaddle use their use their time at five on five power play and maybe coming out of a power out of a power play. But it uh, sometimes the situation dictates it. You're uh, you're down a goal, five minutes to go, and you think you can get a shift out of those guys where you might be able to break something, even though you're on the penalty kill. Those are those are situations you have to look at. But they're both very capable of. Of penalty killing, but uh, like in Connor, when we had him, uh, when I had him at the North American team, we didn't use him a lot on the penalty kill because we had real adequate penalty killers under that. 
So it'll depend on uh, depend on where we are with personnel. But both are both. You know, if you look at them, they both did a pretty good job in the PK last year. And I know if I'm a defenseman on the on the power play and there's a bouncing puck coming and I'm going to cheat to keep it in or watch McDavid blow by me, that's, uh, there's a factor that comes into play there also that you, you can scare teams a little bit with the use of those guys, even though it is the PK. All right, so that is uh, Dave Tippett, Oilers head coach, who added some additional thoughts. So that was on Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Tippett added some additional thoughts on quality defense breeding offensive opportunities. The actual fact is that if you defend well your opportunities to score increase as as your as you get down because you have one team that's really taking chances and if your team is set up where you want to make sure you take advantage of every mistake or opportunity they give you that's the best way to go about it safe is dead if you're just going to play back and let them keep coming at you you're going to get scored on eventually and bob you know how i feel about defending defending less or defending more right <laughs> that's i would rather the best offense is to play or the best defense is to play offense and that's a situation where you can exploit teams because they do it i mean they're trying to open up to win the game if you can exploit that on them the chances of you winning increase now that being said you just don't you know you do things at certain times of the game that are smart that allow you to to win games but you always look to attack safe is dead i think john tortorella had that saying a long time ago safe is dead you don't want to play safe all the time you end up playing in your your own end all the time that's Dave Tip at the Oilers' new head coach. I mean, it's interesting. A lot of people think he's a defensive-minded coach. Uh, you know, uh, when he first broke in the league, perception was he was brought in as an offensive-minded guy coming out of uh, first Houston in the IHL and then with the Los Angeles Kings as an assistant coach before he became head coach in Dallas. Um, you you know, I, I think one thing you'll see is I think you'll see the Oilers, let's face it, five-on-five, five, the Oilers really struggled last year. Their power play was decent. That's part of the reason why Glenn Gullitson was kept. Their penalty kill's been bad for two and a half years. And the guy they had coaching the PK last year, the three previous years, was top five in the NHL in Anaheim. So it wasn't necessarily system stuff. Uh, Trent Yanni not back. Still no confirmation at this time on what the rest of Tippett's staff is going to be like. Tippett, Gullitson. Uh, Gullitson's alone coach that remains... Uh, I guess Dustin Schwartz, we're assuming, is back as well. Uh, but Manny Viveros who didn't, I don't necessarily believe, had a chance to maybe show what he could do that much. Trent Yanni, um, both free agents at this time, I, both are uh, in conversations with other organizations as we speak. Uh, again, you can text us at 6.30, 6.30. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. The The news of the day was on Yessa Poliarvi. I'd like to get your thoughts on what the orders should do with Yessa Poliarvi. You can text us at 6.30, 6.30 and uh, tweet us at Oilers Now. Uh, this text comes in. I'd like to keep Jesse, says the texter. I'd give him uh, a year or two bridge deal to prove what kind of player is. If he does well, sign him to a five-year deal. If he doesn't do well after the first year, you can trade him for assets uh, for another player having some troubles. Uh, Ryan in beautiful Cochrane, Alberta, says, Bob, here's a crazy idea. Trade Lucic, Poliarvi, and this year's first to Minnesota for Dumba, Zucker, and this year's first. Ryan, no chance Minnesota would do that trade. Uh, this text from John B. out of Edmonton, keep Jesse and take accountability for pass 
mismanagement, management mistakes. Give him the time and the opportunity to succeed. Tippett is supposed to be a coach that maximizes the gifts of the players. Let's see if he's worth his paycheck. Yes, he has a massive upside if mentored and coached appropriately. He has size, vision, skill, speed, and he knows how to play defensively from John B. Well, he was tracking in the right way in 17-18 for about 20 to 25 games. A lot of question marks. A lot of question marks here, Flight. Let's go to Chris. He's in Phoenix in line number one. Chris, how you doing? Pretty good. I've got a, I've got a few points here. Uh, I agree with you on the PK. The PK has been atrocious even uh, before Todd uh, McClellan uh, came to town. Um, as far as the, the, the power play, I kind of, I think you uh, over, uh, you, you give him too much credit. I think the power play could be a lot better than it is. I think uh, a lot of games over the uh, the last few years, although they've they, they've had a pretty decent uh, power play percentage, um, you know, they were shut out uh, a bunch of games. Like there's there's no there's no way that uh, a team that's got McDavid, uh, Drysital, and Nuge. Um, on your on your first power play unit uh, should uh, should be nothing less than I say twenty five to twenty seven percent. As far as as yes, uh, uh, I say keep them uh, unless we Chris, get Chris. Can I just interrupt you there? Uh, yeah, go for it. You, you say twenty five to twenty seven percent. Last year was an abnormally high year in the National Hockey League. What the what the uh, the ups and downs that the power play have had? I mean, in the 2016-17 season, the power play, oh boy, off the top of my head, I, I think it finished fifth or sixth in the league and was the best power play since the late 80s for the Oilers. So that was at Jay Woodcroft. Then it cratered in 2017-18. I think it finished, geez, it might have finished 30th overall. And then it bounced back this year and was in like the top 12. But this was a real high year where, you know, 22% a lot of years would have you first, second, or third, and this year had you lower. So there's been we've, – we've rarely seen power plays at 25 to 27%. What you're saying is because they've got those three forwards, their power plays should be that good? Well, uh, maybe, not, maybe not necessarily that good, but it, sh- it should be consistently good on a game-by-game basis. Like, we've, we've seen numerous games over these last few years where the power play was non-existent when we needed them, and they, and they seem to – to kind of go away when we do need that extra goal, and then they'll come out and, and you know light it up when you know we're beating a team by like two or three goals. So that's all I'm saying. Uh, as far as Yessa, I keep I keep Yessa unless we get uh, a significant upgrade. Like a, a, if we use the package deal with him, say in the first pick or or a prospect or whatever to to upgrade a, a wing position. Um, if we can't do that, I keep him because uh, you know Tippett is. Like I like I said before, he's he's well known for getting the most out of his players, and I think with Yessa, with his talent level, with his skill level, and the fact that he's got wheels and he can shoot, that there's no reason why he he can't turn Yessa into at least at least a 17 to 18 goal scorer this year if he gets time, and that's and that's kind of light. I think he can probably hit 20 if he gets you know significant power play time and and put in the right situations. If, if we're putting him in you know, a third or fourth line consistently, then there's probably no way he's going to hit, hit those numbers. But I keep him unless we get a significant upgrade. Uh, the, other, the other comment I, I had was I, uh, I called your, uh, your, your, your board guy there uh, on Colin Miller. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing the owners make a run at Colin Miller. He's got a $3.8 uh, $3. million cap hit, three more seasons. Would be a pretty good stopgap player uh, D-man for, uh, for Bouchard to let Bouchard percolate maybe a – an extra season in the A, uh, get rid of Russell's $4.5 million contract, and uh, we're good. That's all I have, and uh, of course. All right. Well, that's a two-parter there. I mean, uh, here's another one for you. Do you play Darnell Nurse on the right side? 
Can Darnell Nurse play on the right side? He's on his backhand a lot when he vacates the zone anyways. I don't know. Um, Texas at 6.30, 6.30. We're going to go to Mike from Ottawa on line number two. Mike, how are you? Hey, Bob. Good. How are you? Good. Good. I uh, just wanted to bring up something there uh, that, that is, it is relatable. I, obviously, Ken Hitchcock's no longer a coach, but he's still within the organization to some capacity, to my understanding. And um, there's two things. He gets a lot of credit. I loved his the interviews he did after games, and he was such a great person to listen to with all of his experience. But I, I feel like he got away with two things that he did that maybe um, that, that, that uh, could have been done better. And one of them was um, the uh, Poliarvi situation. I remember when he came in, uh, Shirelli at that point, if you correct me because your memory is better than mine, he had just sent Yessi down to the minors. And yes. everybody, yeah, okay. And everybody in Northern Nation was kind of thinking, this is it. He's going to get, like, uh, in my mind, I was thinking 20, 30 games, like, whatever, just a good chunk of games, a good, solid chunk of games. He's, we're going to see where he's at, see where he fits in. The team's looking good because at this point, Jay Ridcroft was really starting to make that team look good. You know, he's going to be in a good position to learn a lot down there, maybe gain some confidence and come back. And I remember, I don't know if it was the first week or second week with Ken in, and he said, um, he said, I want to bring Yessie back. I'm going to work with him, blah, blah, blah. And, and he had only had four games. Only four games. Like, four games is nothing. It's like, you know, it's like, boom, you're there. You turn around, you come back. Yes, he had four points in four games, but would he have had 20 points in 20 games? I don't know. You know, I mean, my opinion. So I, when I first heard it, I was excited because, you know, we were loving what yeah. Hitch was saying. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah. he's going to help us play Harvey. But then I think Hitch started to see the things that Todd saw and that all the other coaches saw with Yessie. And he started, and then not only that, but all the pressures of the Oilers need to make the playoffs and all the internal pressures with the GM and everything else going on. It just added up where Pugliarvi became from the top of the heap of his pile to work on to kind of in the middle or lower, and then he got, and then it just all fell apart. And I, I, I think, you know, maybe it could have been handled differently where they just could have left him down there. I know Hitch was trying to do good, but I just, you know, that that makes me wonder. And then the second, what do, well, what do you think about that quickly on that? Mike, I 100% agree with you. Now, here's the caveat. I don't know if Peter Shirelli who I believe was very agent-friendly as a general manager. Let's not forget Peter was a former agent himself. You yeah. know, uh, take a look at, uh, like, like there's a guy, Elaine Waugh, who's an agent, and Elaine has a lot of charisma. Like, he's just a good guy. He lives in St. Louis. He was Harvard's uh, third-string goaltender just after uh, Shirelli was done as captain at Harvard. And the Oilers have had a lot of Elaine Walk clients over the years. Latestu was an Elaine Walk quiet, uh, client. Okay. Uh, Brodziak, an Elaine Walk client. Uh, you know, Maroon was, and then stopped being an Elaine Walk. You know what I'm saying here? Uh, yeah, anyhow, yeah. I like I think that Elaine was probably one of Peter's better friends, and I just wonder what happened in the conversation between Marcus Lato and Peter Shrelly. I'll never know. Like that, yes, like I, like maybe yeah. like we don't like. Is it a possibility that the agent said, "All right, fine, get him some games down there, but he has to come up," or you know, like we don't we we don't know what sort of agreement yeah. was made in principle. I know this. I like Jerry Fleming as a guy. I didn't like what was happening in Bakersfield with Jerry Fleming. Okay. And, you know, there were suggestions made to Pete Shirelli at different times over the two previous years before Jay Woodcroft ended up going there saying, you got to have a guy that's a head coach in there. You got to get, you got to change because what's, what's going on there ain't good. And, uh, you know, Paul Yarby's a little bit different of a kid. Um, so, uh, but I do totally, like, you recall a guy after four games 
And then yeah. within a span of 10 to 12 games, he's not even playing in the, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. that, that's what I mean. Like you use, you use the term 75, 25 split 75% on the player because we're always accountable for the direction and course that our lives take. We all know that to a certain degree, yeah. but there are intangibles that come into play here. And I just, I want, you know, Paul Yarby has been a real conundrum for me. Like it's been a hard, like being, you know, there's something there. What the hell happened? Like, you know what? We're kind of, I'm telling you right now, there's a player in this year's draft. Remember, Paul Yarby was the consensus top three pick in the, oh, yeah. in the 2016 draft. We've had Brian Burke come on. Hey, we were trying to, like, you know what? I, I saw Pete Chiarelli standing there talking to Brad Treleving right after Yarmo Kecklinen left the uh, there there was a conversation between the three of them, and then there was just the two of them. And Pete and uh, you know and and you know there's the, the the names that have been mentioned have been Michael Backlund, but the 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 orders would drop down two spots and go from four to six, and the orders were going to get Backlund, but they had to take Dennis Weidman's contract. That was the rumor that was out there. Again, just just a rumor. But Calgary, Brian Burke's come on the show and said, hey, we had interest in pulling over too. And, you know, we have people that have texted the show, oh, Burke's just trying to do the Oilers a good one there. And yada, yada. Um, I kind of take Brian at his word. I don't think Brian comes on our show and lies. You know, like if he says Calgary like Pulley RB2, I believe that, I mean, at the World Juniors that year, uh, Mike, he might have been the best of the guys. Like, and nobody knew Sebastian Ajo was that good. No one. No. Maybe the Finnish yeah. guys did, but then why did he go in the second round, right? Like, well, that's, that's, it. that's it. Yeah, Bob, I was barbecuing in the backyard that, that uh, summer day in 2016, and I have this on video, and we, me and my buddies were jumping up and down, hugging that we got Pugliarvi. We were like, oh, my God, I can't believe. Like, we knew yeah. Pierre, Pierre-Luc Dubois was okay, but Pugliarvi was, was the third. Like, it was kind of between him and Line, and Line was a bit more of a goal scorer. So, so. so tell me this. So what do you think Edmonton should do? Well, I, I, I think that I mean, that Ken Holland needs to. He's a good talker. He know, like I like just like Hitchcock. He's a good talker. He needs to sit down with with um, the agent you just described. I can't remember his name. Leto there, and he needs to talk about with him and maybe play RV too. I don't know how it works, and you know, and, and and convince him this things are different now. Things are going to be run different. You need to give me a chance. At least give me a year. I know maybe you feel like you want out, but just trust me. This is different. We have a new coach, new management, new philosophy, new way of playing. We got still got McDavid, still got Drysital. We believe in. You, uh, you had hip surgery. I don't know if it's congenital. I don't know if you've been dealing with it your whole life. Maybe they do know, but I don't know personally. And so, like, give, let's give you a chance to recover and see what you could do because it's best for you. It's best for what you're going to get for a contract long term after our little bridge deal, and then it's best for for you know potential trades as well if you want to get on a good team. So I would try and convince them using Holland's sales pitch to keep them with us and not trade them. I would definitely not trade them. All right, thanks, Mike. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three on a River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. And it's it's an interesting one uh, because the fact is at this time the return would not be significant. You know, a guy who went through kind of a similar situation was Scott Housen in Columbus with Nikolai Zhirdev. It's a fourth overall pick and uh, in a pretty good draft, and was a relative was a more productive player than Paul Yarby had been, but was uh, a little bit selfish in terms of how he played the game. So I I, I don't know, like it's. If the player and the agent are completely 100% of the belief that they got to be moved along, then there ain't much you can do about it. But conversely, if you think you can salvage it, I mean, just, just, just think about something here. 
there was a decision made at some point to trade Taylor Hall. Did anybody sit there and say, like, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that Ken Holland would have traded Taylor Hall. I would have said, because obviously, you know, we heard all of that, the stuff back. There were some people in the Oilers organization that were not big on Taylor before Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan coming here. Maybe they had too much input. I don't know. But Taylor was frustrated in losing. And he's not a loser. The guy willed Windsor the one year, pulled him up off the map and helped them win a, a 2009 uh, Memorial Cup when Kelowna got off to the great start that year, Jamie Benn's team. Um, and I think Taylor got frustrated with losing, but Taylor liked playing in Edmonton. And I think he wanted to be... But somehow the conversation point got to the stage where we need to trade this guy. I wonder if, you know, maybe there should have been a little bit of, wait a sec here, let's just sit him down and say, look, maybe you're negatively projecting a little bit too much. We need you. You're a hell of a player. We believe you're going to grow with us. And maybe in Paul Yarby's case, yeah, he hasn't gained the traction he was looking to gain as a player. Or conversely, maybe the decision's made, let's just cut our losses right now. It's going to be an interesting one. Let's go to Mark on line number one. Mark, you got about a minute. Go for it. Okay. Uh, you don't cut your losses on a uh, third overall pick. Um, I had sent a text, and it's in regards to him going back to Finland. Uh, is he able to go back to Finland to gain some of his mental faculties to get back into the game? Is what where could he was? Happen, what could happen is the Oilers qualify him. And then there is an agreement. He would uh, in that scenario. Geez, I'd have to because person the order signed person Joel person last year, but he stayed in Sweden. Uh, yes, of course he could go. I mean, like uh, the the Russian that Dallas had, Nachushkin went back for a couple of years and then came back. Right, uh, Radulov went uh, to the left Nashville and went to the KHL for several years. Came back, playoffs with Nashville one year, and then ended up signing to Montreal and then to Dallas. Um, Yes, that, that is an there, There's three options. The option number one is you get a fresh start with a new GM and head coach. Option two is you get moved most likely for a like-minded prospect. And option three is maybe goes to year for year. I, I, I in theory, you could make that happen. Sure. I'd, I'd go for option three. I'd like to see uh, you know a couple of years of maturity uh, for for Jesse. I mean, obviously, I don't know him personally. I'm not in the room. Uh, have him come back and uh, mentally be more prepared for a professional game. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Bob. You bet. I'm going to blast through some texts. Rod the Viking from Killam, Alberta says, Bob, I was at Helsinki for the World Juniors. I saw every Finland game. Uh, Paul Yarvi, Kapanen, and Laine were the three best players in that order. Well, some would tell you Ajo was pretty good that year, too. Uh, Raider Jesse says, I would hope Ken Holland wouldn't have traded Taylor Hall. Players frustrated by losing are my kind of players. Anybody who advocated for trading Hall should be fired from Raider Jesse. Well, Raider Jesse, we're under new management. Uh, this text out of Edmonton, Paul Yarvey takes too many penalties and is just a pleasure skater. Uh, Aaron says, I, I think this is the same as when Nail was here. It's a broken ship, but it looks shiny and new. Just trade him for a one-for-one, one and let's start over and stop investing in him. It's mental, nothing more. Maybe he just can't hack it. That one comes to us from Aaron. So there's a range of responses. We're going to talk a bit about the upcoming 
on the weekend, the Oilers locker room sale with Dwayne Tomko. And then we're going to hear from Alex Turcott, who's a potential top five pick. And we'll get to some more texts on Paul Yarvey. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Cassandra Jodelin. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.